How are we doing? Good, great. Guess what? Guess where we're going to be today? Galatians, right. We, we paused for a couple weeks, and now we're getting back into our series on Galatians, and we've got uh, one, two, three, four more weeks. I think we're going to finish up um, right before Father's Day, I think it is. Um, or actually, I think maybe even a week before Father's Day or something. But anywho, what I wanted to do these next two weeks... This week and next week, before we have the break for, for Mother's Day, I wanted to talk about freedom in Christ. What is freedom in Christ? What uh, th- this, um, th- 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 this, this concept that church people talk about, uh, that Christians uh, have, a, have a tendency to, to use this, oh, I'm free to do this, and I'm free to do that. And I'm, well, l- let's talk about what it means to be free in Christ. So if you, uh, you have a Bible, and I hope you do. If not, it'll pop up there on the, the screen. I want to look at Galatians chapter 5. And um, as we look at this, we're just going to look at the first 12 verses. So um, my resident legalists in, in here, don't say anything because you don't want to incriminate yourself. But my resident legalists in here say, well, you can't stop at verse 12 because you have to read verses 13 through 15. I don't have to do anything, but we're going to go over that next week. So today's going to sound like we have thrown all uh, uh, um, structure and and observance of the law and everything out the window, Um, and Kurt's going to be a little bit uneasy in his chair a little bit, but that's all right, But because here's one of the things I want to focus on today. And Kurt and I, and the rest of the elders and I have talked about this, is that we have this, this, this mindset like, we have to do this, and we have to do this. And not, not saying that we don't have responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ. And we don't have responsibility as church members and stuff. But, but what we have a tendency of doing is focusing more on the responsibility instead of the relationship. So you're going to hear me say things today like that you've heard. It's been a while, but you've heard me saying before that it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Those are things that are going to, to, to be stirred up in you because it's not going to be new to you. But this is what Paul is going to be talking about here in, in, this, in this text. So as, as, as um, Chuckles read this for us, and he, he read here in verse 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke, a, a yoke of slavery. I want to put an attack in verse 1 for a second. Because I want to talk about 2 through 12. And, and then we're going to come back to uh, verse 1. Because what, 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 as, I, as I read through this, uh, and as we look at this big picture here, what we have is um, the Apostle Paul here, it is giving us a clear statement that, okay, this is the truth. This is what needs to, to, to happen. Uh, this would be what they would say is, a, a, uh, I guess, an imperative, right? This is an imperative statement here. But what, we're, what, we, what, what I want to do is I want to move past like, the statement that he, that he says of that for freedom Christ has set you free, not minimizing that, but I want to look at the rant in which he has a little bit. Everybody look and see where I'm seeing here, verse 2. Because this is like Paul says this big statement, and then he kind of digresses a little bit and like, okay, this is why this statement means so much. Look at verse 2. It says, look. So I'm, all right, if I say, look, 
I'm trying to get your attention. Paul here is trying, he, he wants to get our attention. He's saying, look, and then he identifies himself. I, Paul, right? Just want to make sure you know who's, who, who, who's speaking here. He, he's writing this letter to, these, um, to, to this church that is dealing with this situation. The situation where legalism, and I'm just going to put it this way, where religion is running wild here. And he says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of, of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now, as we look at that, some dudes are in here went saying, well, wait a second, I was... That happened to me when I was a little guy. I'm that way. So does that mean that, that like, I can't be a Christian? Because like, what Paul's saying here, that there's no value, and you can't, if we accept or, or circumcision, that I've got to keep the whole law, and you know, that I'm going to be severed from Christ. And he, Here's the deal. Let's put our mind at ease, guys, because you can't undo that stuff. Let's, let's put our minds to, to, to ease because what, what he is saying here is that that statement that if we accept circumcision as a mark, as I am abiding by the law for my justification, he's saying that this is the, what shows that I am one of God's people here is this mark on my body. If my whole, uh, my whole focus is on this mark on my body and saying that I'm justified because I have this mark, Christ is no advantage to you. What is he saying essentially? He's essentially saying that if I'm putting my focus on a religious activity to earn my way to God, then what Christ did by, by, by God's grace, it has no advantage. It, it loses its, its, its power to you, its, its effectiveness. Because if you're, if you're putting all of your, your trust in a, I've got to do this, this is what, what works-based salvation is. This is what religion is. I've termed it many times before, but I'll give you the definition of when I'm talking of religion, what we're saying. Religion is a set of rules and regulations in which someone is bound to to be able to become closer to God or a being. set of rules and regulations that someone is bound to so they can get closer to God. Remember, a weeks ago, we talked about this, this, uh, this whole reason we're doing this sermon series is we want to live free under the gospel of grace. We don't want to, to, to live under this legalistic, we've got to do this. We've got to um, do things on our own power. We've got to do things according to our own rules. Or we've got to earn God's favor. This is what Paul's argument here. If you were to kind of break the, the, the whole book of, of Ephesians, or I'm sorry, of Galatians down and pick out the main verses throughout, chapter 5, verse 1 is probably the pinnacle of the entire one of well, I shouldn't say the pinnacle, but it's 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 up there, one of the most important verses in, in the entire book. And Paul here is he's ranting on this saying, okay, wait a second. If you if you receive circumcision, if you are saying I am a Christian because of what I've done, Christ is no advantage to you. He goes on here. 
verse 5, for through the Spirit, by faith, and I, I love that he, that he says, this is uh, that, 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 that synergistic work, there's synergy, there's the work of God and the work of man. Do we have responsibility? Absolutely, it's called faith. Now, we talked a little bit about it in, in Sunday school this morning. Faith is one of those, those things that we say we got a lot of it, but what we have to understand is faith is only real when it's in action. Now, we, we can, if, if we say, oh, I got a lot of faith in God, but I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that, it's the same as I've got a lot of faith in this seat right here. Well, sit down. No, I'm not going to sit down. You sit down on it. it, does, it doesn't, it's, just, it's a concept or a belief. But here we understand that it is the Spirit of God that works through the individual here, and it's by our faith in what Christ has done, and that's what he's going, to, he's going to say here, and what Christ has done, that we have this hope. It says that we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith Working through love, for for you for those that were going to uh, um, you know jump on my my back about not being uh, going all the way through verse fifteen, we understand that it's this faith working through love that we're going to see next week that it's this serving one another that is important. But verse seven it says you were running well, like what are you doing? You were running well. Like when, remember, Paul comes to them, and, and Paul's the one that planted this church. And when he plants this church, he, he sets forth, okay, this is, this is the teaching. This is what Christ has done. And, and they accepted what Christ had done. And not long after that, these Judaizers come in, they come in and they start to disrupt things. So Paul hears that he's actually given a little bit of an encouragement here. He's like, You were running well. You, 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 were, you were doing what, what God wants you to do. Now you've got the, 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 these people coming in from the, the, the outside. And when, they, when, they, when they're coming in from the outside, they're, 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 they're hindering you from obeying the truth. You're running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. He's reminding them. You, you, you're, you're following into these religious practices again. The one who called you, called you into a relationship with Him. Why, why, why do you want to, to place these obstacles in front of this relationship in which God wants to have with you? And He designed for you. Look at verse 9. And this, this, to, to me, as, as, I'm, as I'm reading through this, verse 9 seems really out of place. Like he's he's going along here, and he says, you know, this persuasion is not uh, or is not from him who calls you. And then he says, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Well, at first, it's almost as if that should be like in parentheses there, because what he is saying is like it's a very small minority of of people who have come into the church here, and it may only be one or two. It doesn't. They don't say exactly how many. But he's saying it only takes a couple. It only takes a couple bad apples. and You've heard that. It only takes a couple bad apples to, to rot in the whole bunch or whatever. But, so what, he, what he said, he's saying here is be aware of those who are coming in because if, if, they, if you let this fester, if we don't address this or whatever is going on, they're going to let, let this spread, and it's going to spread like gangrene. It's going to spread throughout out the church, and, and what's going to happen is you're going to have a bunch of religious folk. 
Now, you know, I'm, I don't want to, to, to you know, bash on other churches or anything, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this about any particular church, but there are some churches that have gotten into a rut of religion. Because it's come in there, and I don't think that they have they set out to say, well, we're, we're going to be religious. Well, I think that they, they set out that we want to do what's pleasing to God, but then what happens over time is when we lose focus of relationship, religion starts to take over. We start to come to church every Sunday. Why do you come to church every Sunday? Because we're supposed to. Okay, but you're missing, you're missing the point. Like Jake asked the guys this morning, like, why do we come together? If it's just so we can say, oh, I went to church on Sunday, you're here for the wrong reasons. And Paul would be speaking here and saying, like, Christ is no advantage to you if you're just coming here to say, I went to church today. But if you're coming here, and I think that the majority of, you know, of people would be here today because of this reason, because of the relationship in which you have with God, and that you want to learn more about Him, and you want to live more for Him, that is where Christ is of advantage, because it is Christ in who we have the relationship with. Now Paul here, as he goes on, he says, I have confidence in that the Lord will take no, er, I'm sorry, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. So he's given this encouragement to, like, and I, I think that that's where we have failed in the past, is like, we can point out sin, but then we have a tendency, when I'm saying we, Christians, right? Christians have a tendency to point out sin, and then just start burdening and piling on more and more and more pain on top of the person who is in that sin, committing that sin, whatever. And what Paul is doing here is he's like, wait, I, 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 I get it. You, you're, you're being affected by the, 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 the sin that's coming into, the, this religious activity and everything. You're being affected, but I'm confident. He's given some encouragement here to, to the people, and I think that that's what we need to see, this encouragement. There's some encouragement here to the people saying that, that, that I, I, you know, in the Lord that you, will not, that you will take no other view, meaning like I, I'm confident that even though that you're, you're cloudy right now, maybe even though that you're... you're wigging out about something crazy, but that when you stop and you think about it and you let the Spirit of God work in you, you're going to see, wait a second, that's ridiculous. That, that, that religious activity, that's just ridiculous. I need to focus on Christ and what Christ has done. Look where he goes on to say, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? In, the, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So he's saying, like, I'm, I'm not the one who's putting this burden on you. I'm not the one who's causing you the pain, the suffering. I want to help alleviate this. And then one of my favorite texts in all the Scripture, it says this, I wish those who unsettled you, and you can, you can hear the passion. Now, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but, you, but seriously, look at this. You can hear the passion in Paul's voice when he says this statement. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. If you don't know what that means, I was going to say ask Shelly. <laughs> that was, it just popped in my head. That was the first thing. If you don't know what that means, here's it mean. It means to, instead of just a little bit with circumcision, go the whole way. 
off with everything. To make oneself a eunuch. So Paul's passion is like, okay, fine, I'll play this game. Like if, 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 it's, if it's godly to take a little bit off, it must be really godly to take all of it off. <laughs> right? But you, 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 do you see the escalation here? I, I, I hear the, the, the pain in his voice when he's saying this. He's like, here's the thing. They have severed everything. They need to sever themselves from you. Because what they're doing is they're causing disruption. They're causing pain. And notice here, and this was something that kind of opened my eyes a little bit this week. It says here, themselves. Too often what we try to do is we try to engage, well, I've got to do this, and I've got to make this happen, and I've got to make sure, I've got to kick this person out of the church because, no, 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 no. What, 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 what Paul is saying here is, is in direct connection to what he said back in chapter 2 when he says that, that, um, that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. He's saying, you know what, I have to focus. My focus is on dying to myself and letting Christ live and trusting that Christ is going to take care of the crazies. Too often we try to take care of the crazies. Some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't think so. Well, because you're the crazy one, right? And that's all right. That's all right. I think that that's where, remember, we want to be that church where real people, the crazy people, we're, we're crazy. Y'all listen to a crazy guy every week. We're crazy. We want to be real. We want to deal with the real things that are going on in our lives. Why? Because God has intended real life for us. Back to verse 1 here. When it says here in verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. This is where I want us to, 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 to really kind of just, just set in for a second. A few weeks ago I talked about the, the freedom in Christ and it, we have, it's the freedom from the bondage of sin. It is the freedom from the bondage of sin and the power of sin and of Satan. It's the freedom of the pollution of sin. But it is also the freedom from religion. That is what, essentially what Paul is actually saying here. Now, now some of you are like, wait a second, isn't there something in the Constitution, the freedom of, a re of religion? Yeah, but, but hear me, remember the term I'm using. Uh, religion being the way in which uh, uh, an individual tries to get to God, to earn favor with God. That's what, what religion is, and that's what Paul is saying. No, you're, you're free from that because he says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He's talking to this church as primarily Gentiles, and what he's saying, you once were heathens. And I love that, because I can look at you all and say, you once were heathens. Some of you still act like it, but here, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But he's saying, you once were heathens, but you've been set free from that. So, therefore, since you've been set free, don't submit to a, 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 a yoke of slavery. Again, to a yoke of slavery. It says to a, it doesn't say to the same old yoke. And I think that that's where a lot of people kind of, we have a tendency of like, okay, well, I don't want to fall back into sin. Well, obviously you don't want to fall back into sin. Because sin is what put Christ on the cross. Sin is what separates us from God. But what Paul is saying here is, don't fall into religious activity. If you fall in, so if you were once a heathen and now you're free in Christ, and now, wait a second, what these Judaizers are doing is dr wanting to draw people into legalism, into the law, into religion. 
which is, which is slavery, which is bondage, which is a yoke. And he's saying, you're free. Stand firm in that freedom. And it's in that freedom is where God intends us to be. The, the, the big idea that I have for today's, the whole message for today is this. Freedom is living the life God intends for you. Freedom is not doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, with whom you want to do it with and everything. No, 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 no. That's, that's, not, that's not freedom. Freedom is living the life that God intends for you. And I'll tell you this, God intends for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because through Him we can know the Father. And we can see everything, all His glory and what, what He has for us. We can have peace. We can have hope. So when we look at this and we're talking about this, this, this freeing from the penalty sin and all this other stuff, but being free from a religion, understanding that freedom is, that, is, where, is, is operating in that state. And I don't know how else to... I was wrestling with using the word state, but I'll use it anyways. Freedom is the state that emerges after God has acted to remove all the hindrances that block our purpose for being created. Just think about it. Same, it's the same premise of the big idea in which I just gave you. But it's understanding that, that it's God that's acting. He's removing all the hindrances that block our purpose. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to know Him, to love Him, to worship Him, and to enjoy Him. That's what God has purposed us to do. So when we have this tendency to, th- to think, like freedom is like, I get to do whatever I want to do. Has everybody, or anybody, I should say, in here always made the right decision? <laughs> today, right? Not even today. Look what you're wearing. I mean, j- just play. Just play. Some of you are better dressed than I am. That's all right. No, but, but my, my point is, if we're to, to know God and we're to enjoy God and we're, we're to, to worship Him and love Him, that, that's the, the intended purpose. It's not me doing what I want to do. Freedom comes. and I, This is one of the hardest doctrines, really, that I, I, I think that is the hardest to communicate to someone for, for, for them to really grab hold of is this freedom. Because we live in a country that we think that freedom, we're entitled to it. Like, we, well, we have to have freedom. We're, we're Americans. We get to have freedom. And what, no, that, that's, that's one of our inalienable rights, right? What? American, right. That's a, we, we, well, you know what? It would be awesome if that were true. But even Jesus in his day encountered dudes and gals and whatever that said the same thing. Well, I'm a son of Abraham. We've never been in bondage before. Turn to Rome or to uh, John chapter eight, real quick. The, the text that, that, that went uh, that Kurt went over. I love this. I, I love this because this is one of those idiot moments. The, the, the text that text that, that Kurt read there in, in uh, John eight verse thirty one. And Jesus said to the Jews who, were, who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's saying, okay, here's the deal. Truth comes from my word. This is what Jesus is saying. 
So in all of this, and when we're talking about we don't want to fall into religion, and we're talking about relationship, we're talking that, that Jesus is central in all of this. Jesus himself says, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. You don't have to guess about it, that you will know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. And then the dude sitting around there said, well, we are offspring of Abraham and have, what's that word? Never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that we can become free? We've never been enslaved to anyone. Do you know what's funny about this? Can anybody tell me what's funny about this passage? At the time they were under Roman rule, you're absolutely right. They've spent 400 years in Egypt, right? These are supposed to be the religious people of the day. We've never been in bondage. Oh, other than Egypt and that Pharaoh and the plagues thing and all that. Yeah. You mean the foundation of your, the whole Jewish faith and every year? It, it just doesn't make any sense. But I think that that's the same mentality that, that we have in, in America today. And, and I am not saying that shame on America. I am proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget. Oh. They, yeah. My name is Lee, just not Greenwood. Uh. <laughs> but I am proud to be an American, but I think that that is, when Jesus says it is difficult, it is hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. This is what he's saying. He's talking, to, because we have this, well, I'm, I'm already free. What do I need to be free from? Yes, sin, but you need to be free from religion. And I love this because it's not about this, I'm going to say all of these right things, I'm going to do all of these right things. No, Jesus says, I want you. I don't want your stuff. Now, we'll see you next week that like, because you're in relationship with Jesus, things happen. You're going to want to do things and you're going to want to live certain ways, and blah, 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 all that good stuff. But I think that what we have to do is we need to highlight this freedom. Because too many Christians are living in bondage. And you're living in bondage because you don't understand what freedom truly is. It's freedom is living the way in which God intended for you. And trust me when I say it, God's way is way, more, way better than anything you can think of. It doesn't matter how cool you think you are, how good we think we can plan and organize things. No, no offense, Shelly. I mean, it doesn't matter. God is so much better. So, so, so much better. A, a couple, I got a couple minutes. Here, here let's do this. I, I've got three things that I, I think that are important to answer this question. Why don't more Christians walk in freedom? Why don't more Christians walk in freedom? And I put three, three words. I'm going to say rebellion, realization, and resources. Those are the three things I want to talk about in, in a couple minutes here. Rebellion, one. We don't walk in freedom because uh, we're, we're in rebellion against our Master. We, we, we refuse to obey Him, and what we, what we do is we cling to our old lives. We cling to the old ways. We hold on to what once bound us to, to Satan... So even though we've been free from sin, we're holding on to it. It's as if like we're going and we're picking up the chains that have been broken, and we're like, wait a second, I know these chains. I can pick, I'm going to pick these back up. 
That's rebellion against God. You've been free from that. Don't, don't live in that. The realization, the next one, this is actually, it's realizing something. It's realizing that, as Paul says in, in, in Galatians 2, that you've been crucified with Christ. Remember, he says, you've been crucified with Christ, still are I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when he says that, he also says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5 that we have been reborn, right? We are a new creation. So when, when we look at that, we, we, here's what I, I want us to, to understand, that the Christian life is one of death to self. You have to die to yourself. Hey, Shoreland, come down here, buddy. You have to die to yourself. If you don't die to yourself, what happens is that we, we continue to think about ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that we just disbar and disband all of our thoughts about ourselves, but listen. The Christian life is one of death to self and rising to walk in a newness of life. What we have a tendency to do is when we think about ourselves, we think about what we've already done, not what God wants us to do. And we get trapped in this, well, this old self here. Now, I, I have this here, and I think this will give you a good illustration. When we are continually thinking about ourselves and indulging the flesh in sins... Because that's what usually we do. We think about ourselves and we give in to the flesh because the Bible says that the spirit, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We give in to the, and we indulge in the, the, in the sins of the flesh. We have that, that, that we were already freed from. Essentially what we're doing, and I love this, essentially, actually I don't love this, but I think it's a good illustration. Essentially what we're doing is we're carrying around a corpse of rottenness and death. When we are not living in the freedom in which God has given us, when we're thinking about ourselves, what we have a tendency to do is we, we're, we're carrying around our old self. No, 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 no. What we have to understand is that we're, we're, we're to put to death. Put it, put it down. If I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. So if that is true, and it is, Put down the body. Put down the rotten corpse. Put down the way in which, well, this is, who I, this is who I am and this is all I know. But if you are a child of God, you're a new creation. You're not identified by that anymore. So quit trying to drag that stinky, smelly thing all around with you. You're the one that's doing that. No one's doing that to you. we got to put it down. Let it go. What's the great theologian, Elsa? Let it go. Let it go. I'm going to take up singing. Right? That's two awesome additions I did today. But understand, we've got to, we got to put the, the corpse away. It's already a corpse. I have been crucified with Christ. You don't have to kill it. Anybody ever hear the term beating a dead horse? I know you say that about me a lot, right? I have a tendency of doing that, right? It's already dead. Quit thinking you've got to kill it. So when Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, he's saying, put it off. It's already dead. It's earthly. Put it off. Get rid of it. Resources. This is, this is the, 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 the next one. Because one, how, how do we do that? How do we put to death? How do we leave the corpse behind? 
Well, what we don't need to do is try to do it on our own power and under our, our, or with our own rules. Because if we do it under our own power and by our own rules, what's going to happen is that we're going to end up empty. Because we can't do it on our own. The only way, the only way is by the power of the Spirit that's already with inside of us. And, and, I, and you know, as Jake said in, in his prayer, they're the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside of us. So if we're going to live the life in which God intended for us, it's not by us white-knuckling it and trying to just try harder. No, it's by putting to death that stuff. It's, it's already dead. It's behind. It's living in this newness of life. It's taking hold of the faith in which God has identified that is to control your life. So, so when he says here, for freedom, Christ has set us free, you can ask the question, well, why did Christ set us free? For freedom. Think about that for a second. Why Christ set us free was so that we can live the life that God intended for us. And until we grab hold of that, okay, I am, I am free. I am free from Satan, sin, and death. But I'm also free from religion. I am free to have a relationship with Him. And I want to live in that relationship because that's where God wants me to be. Let's pray. Our Father God, we do thank You. Uh, Lord, we, we ask that, um, you know, as we talked about a lot of different things, God, as we have identified what it is to, to, to be free and to live in freedom, God, my, my prayer is that we can just take all these extra pieces and these, these, these understandings of, okay, I need, to live, I need to live in light of the new and not in light of the old. Not let the old just stank up my life, but I need to live in this newness of life. The newness that you've promised us. So Father, I, I ask as, as, um, you know, as we started into this chapter 5 here, and as, as we've seen that without Christ we have nothing, God, my, my, my prayer is like that, that from, from right now on, or whatever, that, that, that people are just like, okay, I want to focus on Jesus. Just, just fo- and, and, and God, that, that is my prayer for everyone. If It's not figuring out all the, the theological implications of everything. Let, let's just take some time and just focus on the one in which we're to have a relationship with. Who is Jesus and, and what He's done and how beautiful that, that, that truly is. Because in that relationship is where you want us to live. So Father, let us just, just, just press into to, to Your truth. Let us understand that it's the truth that's going to set us free, not our acts and our actions. But we understand it's by faith in Christ and Christ alone. So Father, we, we ask that... Uh, you, you just continue to work in us. And uh, you stir us up for, for what it is, the, the life in which you have um, intended for us. We pray it's in your name, Jesus. Amen.